This is an example of all those other things in life that are going to show up. They're going to be really scared to do. They're going to feel uncomfortable to do in the moment. But I promise you, after you jump, your head will at least know that you can do some of those things that feel like you can't do that. Welcome to the Ignited Recovery Podcast, a new way forward for anyone looking for answers but feeling left out. If you've been searching for empowerment, triumph, and purpose, you've found them right here. You won't hear the same solutions and you're not going to have any excuses to fall back on because Ignited Recovery allows heroes to rise and become their best selves. I'm Dr. Adi Jaffe and I can't wait to be your guide on this journey. Are you ready to become an Ignited Hero? You know, when we're talking about retreats or we're talking about any time that you just think of the word retreat from life, right? You take a break from life and you end up doing something that you're not used to. The act of retreating, of having a retreat for oneself is really about eliminating the distractions that happen in everyday life so you can gain perspective. That's that's my take on things. Um, too many of us think we don't have the time. I would argue we don't have the time not to because we get so bombarded and so overwhelmed with what's coming at us constantly, especially in today's world. A lot of times, I don't know if anybody's felt what I'm about to talk about, but you sneeze, you you think you want to do something, you have an idea, and next thing you know, it's nine months later. Oh, you know, it'd be really, really cool to do. We should look into, and it, it seems like before you're done speaking the words, it's like a year later, the calendar has changed, and you go, wait, how did so much time pass? And the reason so much time passes is we live in a world now where there is never enough time. Um, you're never going to be able to catch up with the amount of information that is coming your way. Not going to happen. I mean, it's why we use computers in the way that we use them right now, right? Is because there is so much information coming at us, we can't process it fast enough. So what do we do? We either stay slaves to that way of being, or we demand and take back some of our time. And here's what's so incredible to me. You don't have to take a month, two months, three months, four months to reset your brain. Our brains are so adaptive and they are so strong and they're so capable that you give them the smallest breaks and all of a sudden it seems like the world has opened up. Now, the reason that I think this is really, really important is we run ourselves based on the programs that we know to run ourselves by. We all know that. We've talked about it a million times. That's not new. Sometimes it feels to us like those programs are inescapable. But that's only true until we let ourselves escape and start getting some new information. So, you know, I was reading earlier about how the mental health diagnoses have um, have changed over time. And it was such a perfect mirror for me of other versions of things we call real, right? You go to the doctor, the doctor gives you some tests, they ask you some questions, and they give you a diagnosis. You just take that for a fact. You just take it as the outcome, the inevitable outcome of the questions that were asked and the blood that was drawn and the analyses that were done, right? That's just, we just take it for a fact, except that they change all the time and they have been changing all the time. And next year, 15 years ago, 40 years from now, 
they will all be different. And they will all be different because we didn't understand them the way that we understand them now 40 years ago. And 40 years from now, we're going to understand them differently again. So in reality, what we are taking as fact, as truth right now, is simply the closest representation to truth that the person who's giving us the diagnosis or the idea of what is happening with us right now has. This is just their best approximation of what's going on with us based on some books they've read and some research that has come out to date. I hope that makes sense in the medical sense, right? You look at hysteria, you look at shell shock around World War I, right? People would come back from World War I unable to talk, unable to use their legs, unable to move their arms, blind, but they had no nerve damage, right? They were in constant tremor and unable to stand up straight, but it, nothing was wrong with their muscles, and nobody could explain why, and so they gave us this term shell shock, but it was so abhorrent to people in military culture or politics because the idea that let's say British kids who were sent to war were so damaged by the war as to be dysfunctional was embarrassing to people back then so they said no 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 these people were damaged ahead of time they didn't have shell shock they didn't get anything by the war a strong capable young man would be able to go to war and have all the atrocities of war happen around them and come out okay something must have been wrong with this kid beforehand and they started trying to look at why. Why would some kids have happen such, um, something like shell shock happen to them and others not? I mentioned hysteria before. You know, it's in the name, and I know I've talked about this before, but hysteria comes from hyster, which is the Latin word for uterus. Magically, a disorder only women would get uh, somewhere in the like 16, 17, 1800s and, and later. Uh, you know, things like fainting, crying inexplicably, uh, inexplicably, inability to sleep, um, depression, not wanting to get out of bed. We didn't have the word depression at the time, but not wanting to get out of bed, unable to function and, and do their, you know, act as they're supposed to as, as women at the time and do their duty. Oh, oops. It turns out it has nothing to do with the uterus. Uh, it has to do with the fact that back then women were, I mean, they're still sexually abused. Women are still sexually abused at crazy, insane rates. But back then women were property. They really had no rights, couldn't vote, couldn't go to school. If they got divorced, they were ostracized from their society. They were beaten. They were raped. Uh, they were relegated to, at best, second or third grade status in terms of, um, of citizenship. And we wondered why it was hard to be a woman and why women cried and kind of lost their shit every once in a while. But nobody was saying that out loud back then. Back then, there was a medical diagnosis. Oh, oh, your wife is fainting and falling on the ground and crying fits. She must have hysteria, not how, what's going on at home. Let's talk a little bit about how things are going. Nobody asked that because the reality of the situation at the time was women have this thing, their uterus, and it moves around in their body and makes their, um, their uh, internal system function in a weird way. So they faint and fall on the floor and start crying. That was the reality of the time. It sounds crazy to us now, but that was the reality of the time. So the reason I'm bringing all this stuff up for us and the reason we even started this conversation out with how do you pull yourself out of these seemingly true realities that we live in is the recognition that there are some truths we believe right now. There are some things that we would hang our hat on right now and say, well, obviously this is what happens. That in 40, 50 years, we'll seem ridiculous. 
absurd. They will be the equivalent of a woman being said that she's hysterical because her uterus has moved inside her body wrong. It will sound as crazy to us, right? But we don't know them right now. And so I'm going to make what may seem like an extreme suggestion. What if we don't actually wait for somebody else to tell us what our truth is? Since odds are that version of the truth will also be overwritten at some point. Over and over again. What if we paused and said, hey, what version of reality, what rules do I want to live by to live a satisfying, joyful life that is full of contentment? What would that look like for me? What would I believe about myself? What would I believe about my family members, my society, my neighbors? What kind of books would I read? What kind of music would I listen to, right? What movies would I watch? What if we did more planning on what we want our reality to look like. And then, and I know this can sound crazy, 10, 15 years ago, this would have sounded insane to me. Then just adopt that way of thinking. If there's a chance that anything we take from other people is going to be proven wrong to us at some point in the damn near future, why not say, hey, I will take the information and then I'll create my own version of it and I will live by that. I think it's that kind of thinking that allows people to break out of unhelpful, unhealthy, upsetting, depressing realities and shift the way they live. I've now grown to think that there actually, I don't know that there are that many objective truths. I don't know. I think I've mentioned this before, but I used to talk to people about, look, it's not like you can fly. And now oh, look at all these people, right? They're jumping off of cliffs with uh, squirrel suits and flying on their own. People are creating jetpacks, you know, individual um, hoverboards and, and things of that nature. People can fly now. So when I was saying that 10 to 15 years ago, it was actually my limited thinking that was limiting me, not those guys. Those people were going inventing flying machines for individual use while I was sitting here thinking we can't fly. So, you know, whether it's somebody going to a silent retreat and sitting there and having enough time to think about what's going on in their head instead of being bombarded with the truths of somebody else and going, oh, wait, I hate what I do every day. I really don't like it. The people I work with stress me the hell out and I don't want to have anything to do with them anymore. Interesting. When there's less noise, I get to notice the noise that is coming from the inside. Or one of the people who has, you know, has been on a retreat with me a bunch of times and every time they come out, the lesson is completely different. It's like another layer, another piece of their life that they haven't been able to look at before. So that could be how they relate to their partner in a relationship. That could be uncovering trauma they didn't even realize they had in their life. But when they actually sit there and get connected to the feelings in their body, instead of getting the noise from the outside all the time, they go, why am I really uncomfortable around these sort of events? Oh, crap. Because when I was in those sort of events, when I was a kid, I would get beaten. Okay. Each of these experiences are not actually changing the person. It's more about the person having time to respond to the noise that is getting into our heads all the time. So we can take breaks ourselves. And I urge you to take breaks yourself, right? This is part of what self-care is about, right? It's part about letting the outside world disappear while you put the focus on what you need. Thank you for tuning in to the Ignited Heroes Recovery Podcast. I really hope you found the information here useful and that we'll see you back here next week. 
And look, I want to make sure that this podcast is the most useful it can be for you. So please let me know by emailing info at ignited.com if there are any specific topics or questions you'd like to have addressed. As usual, if you like this episode, I would love for you to leave us a five-star review and rating. Thanks, and see you next week.